Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. Welcome to Theories of the Third Kind. My name is Aaron, and I'm one of your cult leaders, I mean, hosts today. There are two other hosts that are joining me today. Of course, the Asian sensation, Danielson. Oh, hello. And our new alien hybrid, Anna. Hi, everyone. So before we start today's episode, I just want to say, like always, we don't run any ads or take any money from any corporations. So if you'd like to help us out, then there's a few ways that you can do that. One way is to sign up for our new Patreon. It's only $5 a month, and we give you an extra episode a week. We love talking to you guys on there, so you're going to get extra interactions with us as well. And when you're a Patreon member, your suggestions for topics go to the top of our list. So our Patreon this week is going to be a Thoughts and Theories episode. But on there, we also have Dreams, Clinton Body Count, we have Charles Manson. So get over there, sign up, like I said, $5, and you're going to get a nice little binge-worthy section. Another way to support the show, merchandise. If you go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, and click on the shop buttons, there you can see all the merchandise we have for sale. We have t-shirts, hats, and some other fascinating items. I just want to say that all the money we get from this, from our Patreon and merchandise sales, it goes back to bettering the show. Also, I know things are a little tough out there right now with the virus getting people out of jobs. So if you can't afford a shirt or a Patreon membership, but you want to help us out, you can always leave us a written review on iTunes. It helps us out tremendously. But no pressure, no pressure. If you don't want to leave one, that's totally fine. We just want you guys, girls, aliens, reptilians, Bigfoot, Sasquatches, Chupacabras, Ghosts, Illuminati members, Underground Lizard people, whoever or whatever you are, to enjoy the show. Also, if any of you would like to reach out to us, you can shoot us a message on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or you can go to our website, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on the contact button, and there you will find our email addresses. Also, on our site, you can click on the voicemail button and leave us a voicemail anonymously with your phone, and we will play it on the show each week. So today's episode is Malaysia Airlines Flight 370. Let's start off with talking about the timeline of this event to better understand what happened with this flight. Then we'll dive into the search efforts, then the theories surrounding it, and last, of course, we will wrap it all up with our personal thoughts and theories. So Dan, can you start us off with the timeline? This all starts off on March 8th of 2014. Asia Airlines had a scheduled normal flight leaving Kuala Lumpur International Airport at 12.35 a.m. that had a final destination of Beijing International Airport. The plane for this flight was a huge Boeing 777. So at 12.35, all the 239 passengers boarded the plane, and everything was looking good. Nothing was out of the ordinary. The flight took off at its scheduled time of 12.41, and all tracking systems on the plane were working. So at 1.19 a.m., an unidentified male voice on flight MH370 made a voice check-in with air traffic controllers. The male voice told the air traffic controllers that they were leaving Malaysian airspace and entering Vietnamese airspace. Then the last words are, good night, Malaysian 370. Now, we have a clip of that, and we're going to play that right now. Good night, Malaysian 370. All right, so that's what was said. 
And this phrase was typical. I mean, it was used by the pilots when executing what is called a uh, handover. So all airplanes are tracked by air traffic control towers, right? Well, certain areas are tracked by certain air traffic control towers. Um, a handshake is when one air traffic control tower hands off the tracking of a plane to another tower. So it's, it's, it's a way for them to keep track of like multiple planes. Imagine it as like um, sections, right? Checkpoints. Yeah, checkpoints, exactly. And whenever one plane goes to a different area, then the air traffic controller does what's called a handshake and then the other tower takes it over. So this Malaysian airspace was handing the tracking over to the Vietnamese airspace, if all that makes sense. Before we get into what happens next to the plane, we have to quickly go over what a transponder is. Every plane has a transponder. It sends electronic messages from the plane to radar systems about the flight number, altitude, speed, and heading. This information is enormously useful to air traffic controllers. They're looking at screens and tracking planes. These planes are emitting identifying information on that screen because of these transponders. Okay, now that we understand that, let's get back to the timeline. At 1.21 in the morning, the plane's transponder stops communicating with the air traffic controller. The plane goes dark. No one can track it. It just drops off the radar. The transponder didn't break, it had multiple backups, so the fact that those didn't kick on means that a person manually shut them off. And just a little FYI, I looked into how it could be turned off, and after doing some digging, it's, it's pretty simple. You just turn a switch in the cockpit. That's how simple it is. Right. Yeah. It's like a lavatory light, on and off. Yep. So also immediately after the plane's transponder gets turned off, the plane does a complete turnaround and starts heading back the other way that it came. This was found out because of the Malaysian Air Force was tracking the plane. So around 2.15 a.m., the Malaysian Air Force military radar tracked the plane as it passed over the small island of Palau Perak in the Strait of Malacca. At this point, the plane was hundreds of miles off course. In fact, it was on the other side of the Malay Peninsula. This was the last time any civilian or military radar is known to have tracked this aircraft. So then at 2.40 in the morning, Malaysian air traffic controllers told Malaysia Airlines that MH370 was missing from radar. I'd say that was a little late. Uh, but then at 3.45, Malaysia Airlines issued what is called a code red alert. That means a plane has gone missing from the radar. When the code red is declared, then it requires immediate deployment of emergency response plans. It said it took about an hour to issue the alert because it was trying to locate the plane and confirm that it was missing. To verify, it used various measurements, including sending messages to the plane and, guess what, awaiting a response. As simple as that. At 8.19 a.m., MH370 did what is called an electronic handshake with a satellite above the Indian Ocean. After that, the plane simply vanished into thin air. So, I mean, it had already vanished off other radars, but the last known tracking of it was that satellite at 8.19 a.m., and then it completely vanished. Now that we've discussed the timeline of it, why don't we get into the search efforts? Daniel-san, 
Can you tell us briefly about the search efforts of MH370? Yeah, I could definitely tell you about the search. So when the MH370 went missing, rescue teams went out 12 hours after the disappearance from radar, fearing it may have crashed around the South China Sea, but they couldn't find any sign of the plane or its wreckage. So both ship and air search teams spent four days checking the ocean from Malaysia to Vietnam. Those four days was actually a waste of time. Why was it a waste, you ask? Well, it was because Malaysia waited until then to tell the teams they had given rescuers the wrong direction to search in. <laughs> oh, God, <laughs> what a bunch of you know idiots. they were ba- like bantering back and forth. We gotta tell them. We gotta tell them. No, we can't be wrong. We can't tell them that we made a mistake. Let's just let it keep going. And the- <laughs> yeah, that's that's exactly what happened. <laughs> they would soon realize that when the plane disappeared from the radar, it took a hundred eighty degree turn. It started to fly back towards Malaysia and Vietnam. The plane flew along the border. It would be going in and out of both countries' airspace and try not to raise any attention to the plane. The search and rescue operation was the largest and most expensive in aviation history to date. So they spent a lot of money trying to find this plane. Mm. Yeah, they did. Or trying to hide it. Mm-hmm. Which I think they did. So we got a couple pictures here showing the flight path and pretty much the area that they searched in looking for this plane. And from now on, we're going to be posting these pictures that we talk about. We're going to be posting them on our site under that episode. So if we talk about any pictures or anything, instead of going to social medias and looking at them, you can go to our site, theoriesofthethirdkind.com, click on that episode. And when you click on that episode and you scroll down a little bit, it will show you all the pictures. So you can just go straight there and look at them. All right, let's jump over to possible sightings. So, Anna, do you want to get into that for us? Yeah, help us dive into this a little bit. We do have a couple different reports of sightings. Vietnam said its rescue planes had spotted two large oil slicks. Each of those were about 9.3 miles long. And a column of smoke was off at the coastline. Fem Ki Tiu, vice minister of transportation, told Reuters that boats had been dispatched to try to determine whether they were connected to the missing plane. So, there were no reports of bad weather prior to the crash and no distress calls or other indications of problems. Okay, so those oil slick sightings, I mean, it's pretty interesting, right? So they got me thinking. So I have this connection back in the Maldives that I thought we could go talk to about the sighting and then it hit me. What better way to hear this story than to get it from him? So you know what that means, guys. It's Montauk time. Is it Montauk time? (laughs) Yes. All right. (laughs) So let's strap in and strap on because we're going to Maldives Island on March 8th, 2014. All right. Everybody's dial set. I am ready. Mine's good. And go. Is everybody okay? Yep, hand's still broken, guys. Didn't get fixed in the time travel. Damn it. You need to go back in time before you broke it and avoid that situation. Tell Bigfoot to take it easy. I don't know, he's usually rough. I mean, he's very kind. Oh, very. Mm. Oh, gosh, what a gorgeous morning. I've never seen water so clear. 
You know, Aaron, as we were traveling through time, I was thinking, how did you meet this friend? So me and him, we go way, way back, okay? He used to be a part of the Brotherhood, if you know what I mean. Uh, which one? Eh, I'll need a drink if we're going to dive into this story, Daniel. Do you think we could find a place this early that's actually open? I mean, everything's open on island time. It's like 5 o'clock everywhere, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, I guess. I mean, right over there, there's a bar on the beach. So uh, let's see what uh, island specials they got going on. Dan, really? You got yours in a coconut? (laughs) Yeah, you know, I want to embrace the island life. Plus, holding this big coconut is helping me straighten my hand again, you know? Almost back to normal. It's almost Bigfoot size. (laughs) So when we were going to meet this friend of yours, Aaron, I mean, you never told us the story of how you met. Oh, yes. Thank you, Dan. Uh, You know that I have a bad short-term memory, you asshole. Thanks for mentioning that. Um, so it's about 6.15 right now, and he was supposed to be here at 6, actually. Um, so I guess while we wait, uh, I'll tell you the story. So we met back in Philadelphia. Jesus, what is that? That was a plane white with red stripes. Was that the MH370? Oh my god, it was right on top of us. That was for sure a passenger airline. I have never in my life seen a plane fly that low without a runway under it. What about all those people? We have to tell someone. It has to be landing close to here with as low as that damn thing was. You know, Anna, we can't do that. We must respect history. You can alter the future by one little change in it. Yeah, it's the damn butterfly effect, Anna. But maybe there are survivors. All right, come on, guys. Look, we have to get out of here. The noise has drawn more people out to see what's, you know, what's going on. And uh, I don't want to stick around, so we need to get going. I mean, true, and I can't let them see my Bigfoot 2020 shirt. That could just disrupt the balance big time. All right, boys. Let's get home so we can talk about this shit. Guys, that was so that was intense. I thought that thing was going to land right on top of us. Well, not gonna lie. I'm still kind of wondering what happened to your friend there, Aaron. Thought we were gonna meet him or at least hear about him. All right, so I kind of got a little confession here. All right, guys. We're actually gonna meet with him here today, but I thought it would be more fun, you know, of course, for us to go back in time where it all actually happened to get his story firsthand right after it happened. Well, I just checked my phone, and he uh, texted me saying that he was sorry that he couldn't meet up today. But he sent over uh, a newspaper article from that time. So what this article says, and I appreciate him sending it over, so thank you so much for that. It says how people have seen planes fly over this island, but never ever have they seen a big jumbo jet like the one we saw, and never one that low. It also says, we've seen seaplanes, but I'm sure that this was not one of those. I could even make out the doors on the plane clearly. It's not just me either. Several other residents have reported seeing the exact same thing. 
And as we know, some people got out of their houses to see what was causing the tremendous noise, too. The residents claimed the plane was flying towards the southern tip of the Maldives. Yeah, so that's an interesting article. My whole theory, it, it kind of touches a little bit on that. So I'm going to not really dive too deep into it. But, I mean, we can't talk about searching and sightings without also discussing Brian Allen Gibson. Now, if we had a modern-day Indiana Jones, it would totally be this guy. He spent his years traveling to places and learning about history secrets. He has developed a theory on the collapse of the Mayan civilization, went on an overland expedition to Siberia to get the, to the bottom of the mysterious 1908 Tunguska explosion, and he's chased down the lost Ark of the Covenant on the back roads and waterways of Ethiopia. See, this guy's literally... Freaking Indiana Jones, okay? So here's a link to where we found an interview with Gibson. In this interview, he is asked how long he had been looking for the MH370, in which he replied, I started around March 2015, one year after the disappearance. The official search off the coast of Australia, based on satellite interpretation, found absolutely nothing. So I thought I'd talk to the family members at the one-year commemoration and the people in the Maldives. The officials were spending $100 million and hadn't found anything. So I thought maybe I could help solve this. I've traveled to Laos, Myanmar, Thailand, Malaysia, the Maldives, Cambodia, Mauritius, Reunion, Australia, the US, Madagascar, and Mozambique. Looking for clues. When trying to figure out where to search next, he was told that Madagascar is a magnet. But if the breeze misses Madagascar to the north or south, it would likely wash ashore in Mozambique. So you bet your ass in February of 2016, he got our boat and he went there. This guy is a real life treasure hunter. This is crazy. So we got a Carmen San Diego here. Uh, <clears throat> he remembered the plane's sightings in Maldives and this information made him wonder, why wasn't it further investigated? He also thought the words of the people were more reliable than satellite signal that was fading in and out. So he took it upon himself and went around and asked local fishermen and residents if they had seen the plane and also asked local fishermen when things wash up on shore, what part of the island is that normally at? After they told him, he went to investigate. Gibson searched the beaches where he referred to what he saw as normal beach junk. Then 15 feet away, a fisherman in a boat raised this gray triangle piece and asked, is this Malaysia 370? <laughs> is this Malaysia 370? <laughs> Motherfucker, you found it. That's just the one piece. It's the whole plane. <laughs> I oh found the plane. God. He walked over and saw it had said the words, no step on it. Gibson knew it was from the plane. No step is written on the plane's tail and wings so that workers don't step on them. And it's distinctive to Boeing aircrafts. Ooh, interesting. I have a picture here to show you guys. That's the piece that was actually found by that fisherman. So, yeah, we'll link that. Dan will link it up on Facebook and we'll link it up on our website underneath the MH370 episode so you can take a look at it there. Um, so <clears throat> this guy, he took this piece to, what is that, Maputo? Mm -hmm. He took this piece to Maputo and went. <laughs> it's like a calling me a bitch <laughs> and went with the australian consul to turn it into the country's head of civil aviation it was finally confirmed that the panel was part of the plane about three weeks later 
He learned that many other people on the island had found parts, and they showed Gibson the parts. In June of 2016, he would go to Madagascar and find many more pieces, believed to be of that of MH370. So does this mean it did crash into the ocean? If so, was it a mechanical issue, a hijacking, or was it something else? I guess, I mean, that rolls us into the question of what could it be? But before we get into theories, let's go over some strange facts and findings. Now, this first strange fact and finding is I looked into it and I I found it a little odd. The plane's official manifest, which all planes have, right, stated that there were 226 passengers on board, which with the crew of 12 that they had on board makes a total of 238, not 239. Hmm. What everyone was saying. So was there a mystery passenger on board? Do sky marshals get counted? Or like have their name listed on the thing? I I don't know. That's a good question. I don't know if I mean you you have to think a uh, plane's official manifest. It it has to have that. Well, it definitely will feed into some theories that we talk about later too. Yeah. So that's one strange fact and finding. Who else has another one? I have one here. So the disappearance of MH370 was the deadliest incident involved in a Boeing 777. And it was also the deadliest in Malaysia Airlines history until it was surpassed in both regards by Malaysia Airlines Flight 17, which was shot down while flying over Eastern Europe four months later. Four months later, then MH370 went down. Let me just clarify that. Now put a paperclip in this because we will revisit MH17 later on. Ooh, I can't wait. Another strange factor finding that we have is on flight MH370, there were three Ukrainian ethnic Russians on the plane, which will make more sense as we go into theories here shortly. Just kind of like Anna said, put a paperclip in that. So... Earlier, we were talking about different ways to turn off the transponder and the satellite signal. Well, there's actually a second way to access it. They could have accessed this not from the cockpit, so maybe the pilots actually didn't know what was going on initially. So this place that you can go, it's by first class bathroom and the galley where they prepare our food. There's a trap door there that they leave unlocked called the Electronics and Equipment Bay. They go in there and they just turn off all the satellite stuff under there and no one would even notice. Let's say the stewardess are giving out food. We're all distracted. We're eating. Joe Schmo gets up to use the bathroom, walks over to that section to stretch his legs and just pops in and into that little room. And now we have been hijacked. Simple as that. Because all you have to do is even close the curtains to that prep area because they do have them there. So that guy could have just done that like one of those real quick and popped in there. And then the stewardess comes back and is like, oh, who shut the curtain? Moves it. And the guy just stays underneath there until the plane either gets to its destination or crashes and they all die. Hmm. And that could be the extra passenger as well. Could be. All right. So this last strange fact and finding we have is uh, something I found very odd. So I started digging into the killings uh, of people in Malaysia around this time of MH370. 
and I found an individual by the name of Zahid Reza. So this Zahid, this guy was an honorary consul of Malaysia and Madagascar. His role was that all wreckage suspected of belonging to MH370 was to be handed to him. Then he would send it back to Malaysia. Now listen to this shit. So in early of August of 2017, Zahid had called and left a message for his friend, Blaine Gibson. Yeah, the guy we talked about earlier, the Indiana Jones dude, right? So Zahid said in the message to Gibson that there were several bits of MH370 wreckage that had been handed in to him and that there was also something rather special that was handed in. And this was in regards to MH370. Before he could give this to Gibson, Zahid was shot dead on August 24th, 2017, in which the Madagascar police described it as a targeted and professional hit. Oh, shit. Damn. I wonder what the hell that was. I guess that rolls us into theories, right? I guess we can theorize a little bit about that and then roll into the other theories we have. But what could Zahid have found that was turned into him? Because he was the con- he was the consul for Madagascar. He was in Madagascar. All the pieces that were found of MH370 were given to him, and he would take it back to Malaysia, what piece could have been turned in where he would have been offed? The black box. The black box. Exactly. The black box still hasn't been found to this day. They have no idea where it's at. So it could have been a black box. Or here's another theory. Maybe it was a piece of the plane that had bullet holes in it. From a machine gun shot down or maybe burned up from it being blown up. That's good. But the only thing I can really think of is the black box, you know? Yeah, that would have a ton of evidence on it. So much. Yeah. So that's, oh man, that was good when I found it. I was like, oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, I didn't see that, but it'll definitely go into my theory later. I thought that was good. So I guess we roll into really theories now. Who wants to go over the first one? I mean, or roll into it. We jump into it. I think I'll fly into it, actually. 9-11 it. I like it. Make sure you have your transponder on. (laughs) 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 Um, So one theory that we found was that the pilot committed murder-suicide. Because you did tell me that he had problems. Because I thought that the pilot didn't appear to have any mental health issues. But you said he had... There was, there was two pilots. There was okay. the young one who... This was his last flight having to be overseen by somebody. After this flight, he got his official solo flying license. And he had no problems or anything. Then there was the older pilot who had been flying for years. He had... Just gotten uh, caught being unfaithful to his wife. And his wife just filed for divorce. And he wasn't having a good time. It kind of rolls into the theory that, that there's been history of past pilots committing suicide and taking down entire planes. And I guess before we go into the theory of how they would have done that, I guess let's talk about a few of the the ones that have happened. I mean... There was German Wings Flight 9525, right? On March 24, 2015, the aircraft disappeared off a radar over the French Alps. 
The pilot went to go to the bathroom, and when he left his co-pilot, Andres Lubitz, he, he locked him out of the cockpit. And Andreas had previously been treated for suicidal tendencies and declared, quote-unquote, unfit to work by his doctor. But Andreas uh, kept this information from his employer, and instead he decided to go ahead and go to work. So on this day, when the plane reached cru- the cruising altitude, uh, and when the main pilot left, uh, of course, which we talked about earlier, uh, to go to the bathroom, Andreas made a controlled descent right down into the mountains, killing all 144 passengers and six crew members. So he straight up dive-bombed it right into the Alps. That's just, that's just one of the example that this has happened before. A pilot has committed suicide with everybody on board. And I think there was a, a couple, I think there was another one, wasn't there, Dan? Something about like an Egypt flight or something? Yep, it was Egypt Air Flight 990. The pilot, Gamil Albatuti, flew the plane into the Atlantic Ocean, killing all 270 people on board. In the recordings recovered from the crash, they can hear Gamil say something in Arabic reference, referencing death. They believe this all happened because he was seeking revenge on his employer because he was being charged with sexual misconduct. So, yeah, see, there is... There is proof of pilots committing murder-suicide, right? And it could have been the older pilot, you know, he was getting a divorce from his wife. He was caught playing the field of, you know, women. So he could have been like, F it, I got nothing else to live for. The young pilot goes to the bathroom just like that other pilot on the German flight. Guy just turns off the transponders, locks the cockpit flip something to make all the passengers and all the crew members get hypoxia and all die because when those masks drop not many people know this when those masks drop you have 10 to 15 minutes of breathing the mask automatically gets dropped when the air pressure when the cabin depressurizes you only have 10 to 15 minutes of air in that or oxygen in that after that you have nothing it's done wow the pilots are given longer than the passengers. Passengers 10 to 15 minutes. The pilots got a lot longer. So could have been a murder-suicide. He killed everybody in the plane and then turned around and drove that bitch on autopilot for as long as he could until he passed out. And then the plane was traveling by itself on autopilot because those planes, 99% of the time, they can land themselves, they can take off, they can fly pretty, pretty much by themselves. Yeah, and it showed that they went another six hours after their last sighting. Yeah, so it it ran out of fuel. Yeah. And how freaky would it have been if, you know, he killed everybody on board and then he only had, what, 30 minutes to an hour of oxygen and then he passed out and died and then it was just a plane on autopilot for six hours or eight hours just flying by itself with everybody dead on board. Oh, that's creepy. That's scary to think about. Yeah, that makes creepy. me think of that movie Ghost Ship. What would they do if if the military knew that happened or somebody knew that happened? What would you do? Do you like send some people down on top of it as like, do you get Tom Cruise and get him to get on top of it and like crawl in and try to take over the plane? I mean, OK, so I think that what they would do, because it would be our military, like you said, I think what would happen Military would hack the plane, overrun controls, and redirect it so it did land in the ocean or a landmass that they had control of or something. Possible. 
possible. I know I'm going to talk about this in a minute, so I, I'm like, keep teasing and teasing, but we're going to get into some stuff still. Don't you guys worry. Yeah. So you want me to move on to the next theory? Do it, my friend. All right. So this next theory is called hijackers. So this theory has been fueled by, uh, by two interesting passengers on the plane. So among the passports, two of them were stolen, one belonging to an Austrian Christian Causal and the other uh, Luigi Maraldi of Italy. They had been entered into Interpol's database after they were stolen in Thailand. The tickets to these two passengers were bought by a man named Mr. Ali from Iran. Ooh. He called the travel agency asking to book the cheapest flights. They were one-way tickets as well, just the same as the 9-11 attacks. The travel lady tried to call the number back to contact Mr. Ali, and the number was dead and disconnected. That's, that's fishy, man, I gotta say. So those things only fueled the fire of being a possible hijacking. There was one senior police officer who said people armed with explosives and carrying false identity papers had tried to fly out of Kuala Lumpur in the past. Quote, he says, We have stopped men with false or stolen passports and carrying explosives who have tried to get past airport security and get on the plane. He then says, There have been two or three incidents, but I will not divulge the details. Man. Yeah, I mean, there was people in the past that did try to do that at the airport in Kuala Lumpur. But the two people that did have the stolen passports on the plane in MH370, people are saying that they were Iranians and that they were trying to seek, what is it when you seek, re seek refuge? Seek asylum, that they were trying to seek asylum in a different country and they needed to escape safely. And mm -hmm. that's why they got those those passports. But man, that's got to suck. You're like, oh, I got to escape death. I don't want to get killed over here in Iran. And then next thing you know, I mean, well, fuck, I'm dead anyways. Yeah. One of the Iranian passengers, he was actually, t they were like taking a roundabout away to their destination. And one of their destinations was actually Germany, where one of the Iranian guys' mother was actually waiting for him. Yeah. So they actually found the mother. And asked her, and they're just like, yeah, I've been in contact with him, and, you know, he's been trying to get away, you know, get here to us. I wasn't able to find anything on the other guy, though. Man, it's sad. Yeah. yeah. All those people waiting at the airport for their loved ones that never show up. Mm. So sad. It is. All right, Anna, what's this theory you have? Or hypothesis, or whatever. Well, I was finding some dots that were connecting. And I came across this guy called Jeff Wise, and he had this theory. So I felt like I had to share it with you guys. So remember when I told you to paperclip the MH17 earlier and possible connections to the MH370? The one that was shot, the MH17, the one that was shot over Eastern Europe by Russia? Yep, that's the one. Well, I'm going to have Dan start to go over some stuff we found that Jeff Wise came up with as to how these two incidences connect. So, Dan, what do we got? All right. So we came across the guy, Jeff Wise. He found some, you know, connections. And there were two events. Well, we first off found a short story, short video of him briefly discussing this. But there was two events that are extraordinarily similar, both Boeing 777s. Both Malaysia Airlines both resulted in the presumed deaths of over 200 people 
and neither have been convincingly explained. At the start of the 2014, there were 15 Malaysia Airlines 777s in the world out of a total of around 19,000 commercial airliners. Considering the 777s have a near-perfect safety record and then none have ever been lost to in-flight mechanical failure, the chances of both of these incidences being a coincidence are relatively low. MH370 investigator Jeff Wise, who we spoke about earlier, suggested an alternate narrative to the one that has been put forward that it is not, in fact, a coincidence and that Russia was, in fact, responsible for both tragedies. His theory is Russia planned to hijack. My Siri just tried to kick on. Oh, shit. I think it's because of how I said his theory sounded like. Hey, Siri. Hey, Siri. Yeah. Oh. I I let her pass on that one. That was close enough. His theory is Russia planned to hijack MH370. It flew north and then ended up in Kazakhstan, which was a very close ally of Russia at the time. This is partly backed up by the satellite data, which suggests southern Kazakhstan is a potential alternative destination to the Indian Ocean. What's more is Kazakhstan was the only government to openly back Russia over the annexation of Crimea, and it was a perfect landing site, the Bakunar Cosmodrome. When it comes to MH17, Mr. Wise argued, as Russia dispatched the Bak unit that shot it down, it bears the moral and legal responsibility for that act. Finally, the aviation expert explained how there was an extraordinary similar sequence of events that happened in the run-up to both MH370 and MH17. On March 6th, U.S. President Barack Obama imposed sanctions against Russia in response to its interference in Ukraine. On March 7th, Russia's Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov responded by saying that sanctions would quote-unquote, inevitably hit the U.S. like a boomerang. And the next day, MH370 went missing. Hmm. Mm, Suspicious. Yeah, just a little bit. On July 17th, President Obama announced new sanctions against Russia, and Vladimir Putin responded with a public statement warning that sanctions, quote-unquote, generally have a boomerang effect. The next day... MH17 was shot down, and Mr. Obama actually found out from President Putin while on a telephone call with him. Dude, talk about coincidences. Oh, my God. What the fuck? Could you imagine the excitement of Putin on the other end of that phone when he's just waiting to be told, it's good, it's good, and then he gets to say, Obama. Your plane has been bombed. (laughs) (laughs) I told you before, boomerang bitch. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that was good, Dan. I bet people assume the connection even more with it being said that there were three Ukrainian Russian passengers and maybe they helped hijack the plane or helped make it disappear. Like, damn, dudes, these these events have so many eerie similarities. Yeah, yeah, they do. it, It is so odd. Do you have any personal thoughts or hypotheses to add to these interesting connections we found? I mean, I have a personal theory, but we we haven't really touched on any of the stuff when it comes to my theory, okay? My theory is going to kind of be new, all right? 
does anybody else want to touch on their theory before I touch on mine? I mean, because mine goes a little way, way off in the left field, okay? It's a little way out there. I mean, it involves a guy sticking a phone up his ass. Oh, so. my gosh. <laughs> well, I could do mine if you'd like, because it is most like the uh, Russia did it. Yeah. That works. So I was seeing the connections between MH17 and MH370. And then, of course, when I read the Obama boomerang effect, I was like, okay, this is way too much of a coincidence to not have some sort of connection. Yeah. I just couldn't shake that fact. So I started to kind of dig into a little bit more. I felt like it was a connection a lot of people didn't think about. I spent hours and hours and hours looking about this topic and never once saw or thought about another plane going down, being connected in a four-month span between them so weird i mean how else would you make a statement that the same person did it other than attacking the same kind of plane twice so i hypothesize that this was a statement to our government of how easy it would be for them to take control of us and how unprepared we are if they were to do that showing that in less than 24 hours they can one get a team on board to possibly hijack a plane and have all the creden- credentials ready to do that, or two, do a digital hijacking and reroute the plane to another place, should we be more worried about Russia's capabilities than they lead us to believe? Or do we have some badass weapon defense we aren't privy to where our government feels so confident in ourselves that even Russia doing that didn't shake us? The whole thing with Russia, like we were talking about earlier, and and this happened, the MH17 happened with Obama, right? Mm-hmm. If you look at Obama's track record with Boeing, he's made a statement saying he should get a gold watch when he retired because of how many Boeing airplanes he sold. His executive on the aviation board was all Boeing past executives. He has a close tie with Boeing. Like, he's the most tightest president with Boeing ever. Interesting. Boeing brought him in to, because each year they have a motivational, like, get-together in Arizona, kind of like the Bohemian Grove, except for Boeing. (laughs) (laughs) So they paid him millions of dollars, Boeing did, to come in and give a speech. And it's like, okay, I can see it now. I think you do have some sort of connection starting there. there. That's interesting dots, too connect i mean let's see i think one of my one of my theories for theories thursday was obama was part of the cia yeah i mean i think that kind of you know floats into your territory Aaron, with your theory coming up right not with obama no but being part of the cia but then cia oh, them doing it yeah yeah but uh let's chit chat a little bit about more a little bit about uh honest little theory because i want to i want to okay. dig a little deeper into this Dig a little deeper. On Okay. Mm-hmm. Do you think that we have some badass weapon defense? Like you question us that our government feels so confident that Russia is like, ooh. We are cocky for some reason. I mean, obviously, we've, we've showed that we can fight wars and do well in them. We're always trying to be up on technology. But I wouldn't be surprised. If we do have something that's alien type technology 
and we have no fear of anybody doing anything, which is why we are like a dictatorship here lately. We are. We are like a dictatorship, which brings up the question, is this, is this all just a show for us? Behind the curtains, everybody, all the world leaders are shaking hands and they're all having cocktails. Just like Trump will go up on stage and like bash Hillary at that the last election. But before that, they were like good friends. He went to Chelsea Clinton's wedding. And I mean, hmm. it, part of me thinks this is all just a show. And behind the scenes, they're all just like, let's see how we can make this show as entertaining as we can for the aliens in outer space. And see who survives season two of Earth. <laughs> it's not looking good for season Earth for season two. <laughs> All the aliens are like, yes, Aaron survived season two of Earth. Yes. <laughs> I wonder if aliens look at us and see how many ways we're capable of dying. If they think we're stupid creatures because, I mean, we could die in a car accident. We can die walking in by a construction zone and a piece of random material falls and crushes you, you know. Some dude here where I live uh, was driving on an on-ramp and someone above hit the wall and it was made out of concrete and it broke the concrete, fell down and landed on top of the car going up the ramp and killed that guy. Like, he was not expecting that. I mean, I don't Man. know where I was going with that, but... I like it. I'll leave it in. Like literally that just reminded me of the guy that got, he was driving his car and during a hurricane and the hurricane broke off a branch of a tree and the branch literally just impaled him in his car while it was moving. Damn, that's some Final Destination stuff right there. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but it reminded me of that. Y'all guys ready to hear my theory? Dude. I'm ready to hear it. I'm shaking in my boots. The excitement can't hold in much longer. Okay. Oh, she got on Southern. <laughs> I go deep in with my theory, guys, okay? I go super deep. Now, to understand my theory, I have to explain what Diego Garcia is. No, this Diego Garcia is not a person. Well, I'm, I'm sure there's a person named Diego, Diego Garcia, okay? But the Diego Garcia I'm talking about is an American base site. Now, this site, it isn't as famous as Guantanamo Bay, but Diego Garcia Base is nevertheless a highly active CIA black site. Now, when I say black site, this site is super guarded. The government doesn't talk about it. They acknowledge it and say it exists, but they don't talk about it. They don't allow any citizens or journalists on the island at all. On Guantanamo Bay, they allowed journalists on the island. On this one, they do not at all. Nobody's allowed on it. So, now that we've got that understood, let me tell you a little about where this island is located. So, Diego Garcia is an island located in the Indian Ocean near the island of Kuta Huvadu. Huvadu, doo <laughs> I like that. The same okay. place where they found the piece of... The, is this a Malaysia 370? Yeah, yes. So, you remember where we had drinks at? Yeah. Uh, the Maldives? Yeah, so... It is extremely close to there, like extremely close. Okay, so now keep that in mind, all right? This is what I think. I think the CIA, quote-unquote, cyberjacked the MH370. Like, they remotely took it over. They shut down all onboard control, and they flew the plane to Diego Garcia because they had some interest in a certain passenger 
and then all the other passengers were automatically being held as prisoners. Now, what backs this theory up is multiple things, okay? One of the things is that it was spotted near Diego Garcia. Remember when we were in Maldives having a drink and it flew right over? Mm-hmm. That is one of the things that back it up. Another one is one of the captains, the Zahir Ahmed Saha. He had a flight simulator in his home where he was practicing landing a B-777 on short runways. And one of those short runways was Diego Garcia's. Oh, which, I mean, after he got done landing it on it, he deleted that, uh, that pathway from his uh, simulator. But it was recovered later on and announced that he was practicing that on his flight simulator. But if all of this is, isn't good enough for you, okay? If this isn't good enough for you, I'll have something that blows your socks off. Because all of that wasn't good enough for me. I needed something. I needed something. Now, I want you to listen to this shit that I found. So only one of the passengers on MH370 flight was American. This guy was Philip Stone. He was an executive at IBM. All right. You have to follow me here because this gets a little weird. And it sounds a little crazy, but just follow me. So shortly after MH370 went missing, an all black photo surfaced on a random form online. Not many people would think much of the all black random photo showing up online. But this photo had a message attached to it. And it said the following, I have been held hostage by unknown military personnel after my flight was hijacked, blindfolded. I work for IBM and I have managed to hide my cell phone in my ass during the hijack. I have been separated from the rest of the passengers and I am in a cell. My name is Philip Wood. I think I have been drugged as well and cannot think clearly. So many people would brush that off, right? Many people would say, oh, okay, it's somebody LARPing. Well, let me explain something real quick. All photos have location data attached to them. When you take a picture with your cell phone, it creates an EXIF data on it. And it gives coordinates of where that photo was taken at. So somebody on that form decided to take that black photo that was sent and pull that EXIF data off of it and look at it. Well, not pull it off of it, but, but see what the EXIF data said it was located. And guess where it was located at? Motherfucking Diego Garcia. Shut up. No shit. So that dude being an IBM worker is smart enough to know that the location data would be on that picture so he didn't care what it was. Yes. It was like his SOS. Yes. Oh, my God. You know, I didn't dig into Diego Garcia. I put it on my, I have a side notes thing, and I put it in there to talk about because I read very briefly that Diego Garcia has an underwater base. So I thought we'd probably end up doing an episode on it, so I didn't go into it. But I love that little bit because when... That little teaser you just gave about the sketchiness of that Diego Garcia, when we do an actual episode on it, people are going to be egging for that. Because what else is there? Who else is there? Are those people still alive? Are they working? Have they become like slaves of the island? 
I don't I don't know. That's <gasps> Have you seen Black Mirror? Uh some episodes. I'm thinking of the one where they all have to cycle on a bike and they just keep earning points. And then the point system allows them to buy things and you only get points, I believe, from riding the bike. What if that's like Black Mirror talking about Diego Garcia that there the passengers became slaves and they have to do like meaningless shit to even earn enough for their dinner or something. I don't I don't mean to take you, but something I just remembered when I was reading up on MH17 people on where it was shot down over. There was reports in newspapers saying that people were finding body parts, but the body parts were like decomposed already when they found them, which led to the theory that (gasps) the MH370 was actually MH17, that when MH17 flew over, that they, so MH370 was hijacked, stored at Diego Garcia, and then flew over so the United States could frame Russia for shooting them down and go to war with them, and that the bodies were already decomposed and dead people from MH370. They have similar numbers, MH370, MH17, both Malaysian air flights, both, you know, the 777s. It's weird. What if they are separate planes, but MH370 was landed, um, they took passengers off, had them working for a while, maybe a couple months, killed them, put them on MH17 to dispose of the bodies from Diego Garcia. And then shot it to get rid of everybody. Damn. Yeah. And so they just have to put the, I mean, the same type of planes. They get yeah. rid of the evidence too. the plane. They shoot that motherfucker down out of the sky. Yeah. Mm. All right. So. Damn. Damn. What do you got? I did not read your theory, Aaron, but mine kind of ties into yours. Now that you read it and everything, it kind of ties into yours. Because have you looked at the passenger list of the MH370 flight? Um, I know that majority of them were Chinese nationalists. So a lot of them were like Chinese uh, calligraphers and artists. They were pretty much like flying back to uh, Beijing from like a, some type of uh, art meeting or something like that. But, you know, I came up, I stumbled upon Philip Wood and I kept reading more about the passengers. Then I came up across the 20 staff members technology company from Freescale Semiconductor which makes powerful microchips for industries, including defense. So that's making me think, you know, kind of connecting with yours, you know, the plane might have been cyberjacked by them taking these guys. They might have had, like, might have been discovering something, Hmm. you know. I like, I mean, it's this whole thing is weird. There's so many theories you can go with this. It is like a giant rabbit hole. Yeah, and to think also, Dan, that the guy, the American, worked at IBM, which would tie into more people and technology and maybe proprietary information. Like, what does, what did Philip do as his job? Yeah, like, I was trying to find that out. I couldn't find anything about, what, like, what he did. It just said that he was an IBM executive. Yeah, that's the same thing I found, is just an IBM executive. You know, that's probably what they did with the passengers is they kept ones that can help build stronger security system or defense stuff, like do all the quote unquote nerdy computer stuff 
and help them get better and then just off them or maybe they're keeping them prisoner. Maybe. We'll never know. They need the DNA tests or something, those body pieces that were decomposed and see if they match people from MH370. So does anybody got any final thoughts or theories or anything they want to add before we wrap this up? I think I'm ready for voicemails if you want to roll us into those. Yeah, because I don't think I'm going to take any flights uh, internationally for a while still. I know. That was a couple years ago or six years ago. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I don't blame you. I already have a fear of flying, so doing this topic was not great for me. All right. Well, that's the end of the day's episode. We're going to move on to voicemails. All right. So the first one we have is from Hans. We're going to play that right now. What up? It's your boy, Hans. Yes, I did leave you two voicemails. One of them I was drunk. Sorry for talking about Bigfoot's dick like that. Anyways, so here I am listening to your show about, you know, dreams. And I don't know if it was a dream I had when I was in the Army. But uh, I got really high on DMT and acid. And might have been drinking too that weekend. But I passed out with all the mental masturbation. And I was flying across the world, and I landed in the Tibetan flats where I met with the Dalai Lama, and we talked about life. And suddenly he placed his hand on my forehead, did like a Lion King gesture, you know, Simba'd my ass, and said, don't worry, there is another one of you in the world. And I said, the fuck do you mean? And all of a sudden my phone rang, and it was my girlfriend, and it made sense. I answered and said, are you fucking pregnant? And she was like, oh my god. Why are you yelling? And yeah, how'd you know? I said, I have no time to explain. Just know this is a miracle child. And so ever since then, I thought it was either a dream that predicted the future or I had astroplaned across the world. So, you know, Bigfoot 2020, uh, gotta show you some love, Aaron. You sound, you know, really amazing. I would stroke your fucking face and, you know, rub the back of your head for you any day of the week. And, uh, Daniel... You just keep being sexy. You understand that fuzzy man, Peach? <laughs> Daniel, you keep being sexy, you fucking fuzzy man, Peach. You guys, did we not do this one last week? No. So we played two last week of Hans. Uh, so the first one we played, he was out in the deserts of Donahanna, New Mexico at the miss- missile test range. And then the next voicemail we played, he was like, I just heard that Bigfoot sound, and I was like, oh, my God. And I'm like, those two guys sound familiar. They both started off with the same way, so here I was. They both started off with that line, and not many people start off with that. And that's why I said they sound familiar. I think it's the same people. And then you said, uh, you're going to, Hans is going to be like, why the fuck are you comparing me to my story was real? And, And then, so this is Hans. He left a voicemail to say, yeah, it was him on both things and he was drunk and sorry for talking about Bigfoot's dick like that so <laughs> well it's just weird because that was a very realistic deja vu because I knew you were going to tell you were going to requote the last sentence of that guy the Dan Vian having a fuzzy peach face and that then the same response or that I saw that what we just had happen that's why I asked if we already did it because I felt like we just did this we're aligned with the universe, heading in the correct direction where we are supposed to be heading. Yes. So it means that we chose the right episode. <laughs> yeah. So thank you, Hans, for that voicemail. I fucking love it. I want you to come stroke my face and my beard and my 
back, scratch the back of my head and my back and my penis. <laughs> nice. I definitely got a good visual with your description and your storytelling. So thank you for that. I'm going to say sexy. All right. So the next the next voicemail is from Lawrence. So we're going to play that right now. Hey guys, greetings from Vancouver, Canada. My name is Lawrence and uh I've left you a brief review. 5 stars, of course. Believe me, if I could have given you 6 stars, I would have hell I would have given you 10 stars. I think you guys are awesome. I'll start with you, Aaron. You are so good. Your humor and wit is amazing. You have the best voice. Daniel-san, Asian sensation. I'm like your brother. I'm half Asian, so I'm my half-brother. The other half is Irish. But um, one of the reasons I wanted to call is because of your new host, this sensation from a different nation, who is Croatian, Anna. She is such a good find. She's witty and... She's knowledgeable and so fucking funny. I've laughed out loud so many times you have no idea. I found you guys when the whole pandemic started, so it was an awesome find for me. And you have kept my spirits up during this very dark time or uncertain time. And uh, I really want to commend you all. You have a great show. I love your material. I love all of your voices. You're so damn sexy. So keep up the good work. Keep us smiling. And yeah, just keep being you. Take care. I love you all. Bye. All right. Let me know when all of y'all are done crying and then we'll tell them. I know. (laughs) That was, I won't start. You guys go ahead. I'll be the last to add on there. You don't go here. So thank you, Lawrence. Uh, That was a genuine voicemail. I like, I I love those. Uh, thank you for your kind words. Um, I'm glad I could provide you with some comfort during the uncertain times. Um, just thank you, you know, all those words of encouragement, all all of that. It really, truly means a lot. And all the hard work that we put into it, the hours and hours, things like that make it worth it 100%. And I cannot thank you enough for what you said. I love you, too. All I can say is my Asian brother. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just just know I have a little bit of Irish in me too, and it shows in my beard, unfortunately. <laughs> Comes out all nice and reddish. I definitely have to say thank you, Lawrence. That was the sweetest message I've gotten since I've uh, joined the show. I really appreciate genuine people, and this is a message that I will personally hold on to and refer back to and um yeah man it hit me right in my heart you had me tearing up i appreciate the words that you had to say so thank you so much i hope to continue to make you laugh i understand that my humor may not come off to everybody but the more you get to know me i think you'll start to get it so it's super great that you got me right away i know that you're gonna love what we have in the future so thank you thank you i love you too man all right, so this next voicemail is from Nathan. So we'll play that right now. Hey, guys. Hope you're all doing well. Absolutely love the podcast. Love the conspiracies. Definitely the best one out there. Uh, it makes work go really fast. It makes eight and a half hours definitely feel like two hours, which is always a good thing. 
Uh, just reiterating what I messaged you guys on Instagram, uh, I'll be definitely voting for Man Bear Pig instead of Bigfoot for 2020. Sorry, Danielson. Uh, I just think his penis is that much bigger and hairier. Therefore, he will be a better leader, naturally, of course. Uh, love the show. Can't wait to, for future episodes. Uh, and yeah, I'll be listening to you guys in the future. Excelsior. All right, you fucking listen here, Nathan, okay? I can tell you from experience, Man Bear Pig does not have a bigger and hairier penis than Bigfoot, okay? And that is a fact. I've both seen them running wind sprints with fucking boners before through the forest, and Bigfoot was not only faster, but he, his erect penis was at least three inches longer than Man Bear Pig's, okay? And that is three inches wider as well. So... I don't know what penis you're looking at, but it ain't man bear pigs. I know man bear pig didn't break my hand. Bigfoot did. Oh, God damn. But anyways, thank you for the message, Nathan. Thank you for the love and support. We love you. Just keep sending those voice messages. And please check in on the penis of man bear pig. I'm pretty sure you got it confused with Bigfoot's. We have one more voicemail by... Shiny light is the only way I would pronounce this. I don't know. I'm probably I probably mispronounced it. I apologize. So we're gonna play that voicemail right now. Hey guys, uh, this is Shine Light calling. Um, just want to tell you guys I love the show, man. Love how you guys go into detail and just really entertaining, you know. And I gotta admit, man, I'm glad the you got a new cast. No hate on Kate, but. She had to go. But uh, anyway, Daniel's son, Aaron, Anna, keep it up. Dig it. Later. There is few voices that are unique in this life. And I would say that if Shine Light doesn't have a voice in sports broadcasting or in midnight radio talk show or midnight like oldie stations, he should definitely seek out that profession. No kidding. Oh, yeah. I could definitely listen to that voice more. Yeah. Shine light if you want to submit another voice message, just telling us a story. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> dude, I was just thinking, like, he'd probably be really good for Audible. Yes, he would, dude. I would, I would listen to him read a book. You could, you know, I listen to Headspace, you know, a few nights a week. I would fall asleep to that voice. But thank you. Shine light. That's awesome. We appreciate the love. We, I'm glad we can provide you with good stuff to listen to. So thank you. All right. So now we roll into ratings and reviews. All right. So the first review we have is from Kennifer96. It was left on May 12th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads DMT. They go on to say, drove from Charleston, South Carolina to Portland, Maine. And this was awesome to listen to. Thank you, Kennifer96. I did a very similar drive this week, actually. So I can I, I feel your pain. The drive sucked. I can't believe you're even sitting right now. Yeah, you should see the size of my butthole. Just <laughs> <laughs> I don't think that's from long seated position. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And you're supposed to sit in the seat, not on the shifter. Yeah. <laughs> My bad. That's how I was shifting. <laughs> That's anyway. why the U-Haul was uh, going back and forth. <laughs> Anyways, they, thank you, Kennifer, for the five stars and for the love. I'm glad we could provide your ear holes with something great. 
Yes, thank you. Yes, thank you so much. The next one comes from Tiffany Sue. They are from the United States. It's five stars and says, very curious, interesting, cool. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thank you, Tiffany Sue. We love you. Yes, yes thank, thank you, you so much. All right, our next one is from Man Man 20, United States, on May 13th. Supportive UPS driver here with five stars. And he says, Love the show. I am a UPS driver. And during this pandemic time, I find myself working six days a week and upwards of 65 to 70 hours. You guys certainly helped my day go by with your funny banter and compelling stories. I was a little disappointed through the first few episodes because I saw most podcasts were over an hour, then realized you spend more than half the time going over emails, voicemails, and reviews. Once I got past that, I was hooked. I have caught up on all the episodes and look forward to it every week. Awesome. Well, appreciate that. Yeah. Thank you, Man thank Man you. 20. Yeah. It's one of the nice things that about putting this at the end of the episode. Some people want to hang out to see what happens after the credits. This is what happens after the credits. You get shout outs. We make it personal. But if you just come here to listen to the content, totally awesome. Just, you know, after we finish, cut it out, cut it, cut it off, you know? So. I'm glad that we can satisfy both types of people. Yep. Thank you. We love you. All right. This next review is from Hio del Diablo 8, left on May 13th. It is three stars with the subject line that reads, Potential to be great. They go on to say, The show is better than three stars with the potential of a solid four, possibly even five stars. Aaron, Dan, and Kate are good hosts, but Don is annoying with his childish, crude attempts at humor. Hard to ignore his attempts at humor, but Aaron is a good lead on the show with Dan adding great support. Kate has improved much from the earlier shows, and I've come to really appreciate her and her insights. <laughs> Dump Dan. Say it, say it. Dump Dan and get that easy five stars. <laughs> so I think you meant, I mean, this is the second time this has happened. They yeah. have meant dump Dawn and get that easy five stars. Okay, so this- I have mixed feelings now. <laughs> mixed feelings. You built me up and then tore me down. Yeah. So, I mean, this is a older review. I'm guessing they listened to season one because on season two, of course, we've had a change in some cast members. So, uh, you know, do an update with our new cast member, Anna, with her being on board and uh, let us know what you think. But uh, thank you for your love and support, and uh, hopefully we have changed that three stars into something else. So thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. So our next one comes from Orange Thunder from good old Canada. Title, Great Listening, five stars. I was looking for a good conspiracy podcast, and this is it. While I don't always share the same opinion or buy into the theories it is entertaining, to say the least. Kudos for not putting your listeners through the ads that others do. How about some episodes on World War II German technology and its current role in today's military? Or maybe one on the Catholic Church? That could be spicy. All the best. Thank you, Orange Thunder. Yes. We actually will go into... We, we have an episode in the future... That we'll do on our Patreon, I think, right, guys? Uh, that one's about the Vatican. Yeah, but that's pretty Catholic, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that is. <laughs> yeah. So, yes, thank you, Orange Thunder, and we got you. We got you. Yes, thank, thank you. 
Our next one is from Lily218 from the United States on, five, on May 14th, titled Excited for the Future with Five Stars. I have been a fan of this podcast for a few months, and I have been hooked since the first episode I listened to. It was the Black Eyed Children episode, and it freaked me out. But I loved the editing and the production value. I'm sad to see Don and Kate go since they are a big part of the show, and I will especially miss Kate's intros. But I'm wishing them well. You guys never fail to inform me and keep me entertained. I'm excited for season two, and I wish you all the best for this new season. Keep up the amazing work. Love you guys. Lily. Well, thank you, Lily. We definitely appreciate that. I love you, and thank you for your love. Hope you've been enjoying season two. Yes. All right. This next review was left by Mel's Hang, and it was left on May 15th. It is five stars with a subject line that reads Chef's Kiss. They go on to say, I've always loved conspiracies and theories of the third kind, so finding this podcast was just amazing. Every episode is so good, and the DME, and the DMT episode was life-changing. Wow. Holy shit. Damn. Thank you guys for doing the most. It pays off, and I can't stop listening. Please make more. I'm obsessed. Much love from a teen in quarantine. Heart emoji. Well, thank you, Mel's Hang. Um, life-changing. Wow. You know, I've gotten a lot of feedback that this DMT episode was very good. So, yeah, I've got a lot of feedback that a lot of episodes are good, but thank you, uh, Mel's Hang. I'm glad yes, we thank you very much. provide some good listening stuff for your ear holes. Love you. Thank you. So our next one comes from Ryan McNeil from Canada again. I'm just attracting those Canadians today. That's what it seems like. This one was left on May 15th. Five stars. Great content. One of my favorite podcasts. I listen every week and I'm looking forward to the extra show every week on Patreon when season two launches. Best of luck with season two and excited to see what the new host brings to the show. Highly recommend this podcast. Ryan, thank you so much. I mean, I hope you like the changes. We're continuing to try to grow and, and never fall short of satisfying your cravings. Just yes. let us know what you guys are looking for. We yes. will provide. Yes, we will. Thank you. And we love you. Yep. Thank you. The next one we have is from Zyka Erds, United States, left on 515, which was May 15th. Titled Great Show with five stars. Found the show right before quarantine happened and then listened to the whole backlog. Love the show. Season one was great. Joining the patron as soon as available and I'm excited for Anna. Good to have some Balkan blood coming to the show. Haha, <laughs> can't wait to hear more. Keep it up. Nice. Thank you. Thank you. I hope you love Anna like we all do. That's right. Yes. Thank you. Kako C. I couldn't remember how to say thank you in Croatian in that moment. <laughs> but <laughs> it sounded yeah. good to me. All right. <laughs> well, so the <laughs> what I said was how are you? So uh, I actually said something to her, but it's also like old Croatian, so she might also be like you're from before the war or something. <laughs> nice. <laughs> you make sure to edit that part nope, out. Nope, I'm leaving it in. <laughs> All right, so this last review for this week comes from Mayor 3.0. They left us five stars with a subject line that reads, Finally, they deserve five stars. Hmm. They're going to say, 
I know that reviews help these guys out a lot, but I haven't made a review because I would only listen when I had nothing else to listen to and never fully enjoyed it until it was just Danielson and Aaron. I actually started listening as soon as I saw the notification that a new show was uploaded after Donnie and Kate were gone, and now I love it. Everything seems a lot more put together, a lot more researched, funny without trying, and less annoying. Can't wait to see what's next for these guys. All right, thank you, Mayor 3.0. We love you, and thank you for the love, and I'm glad you enjoy the new host, and I'm, I'm glad you enjoy the podcast. Yes, thank you. Thank you very, very much. All right. So that's all the ratings and reviews for this week. Like I said, we're only going to do 10 since we're very backlogged. And if we did them all, it would take an entire episode. So we do 10 a week until we're caught up and we're halfway through May. So we're only a month behind. (laughs) (laughs) Only a month. Yeah. But I love them. We could get more. Keep pushing them in and I'll keep fucking putting them out, baby. Um. All right, so I guess we go into shout-outs now. We have to do Patreon shout-outs, and I want to give a special Patreon shout-out to Dell and his wife, Elizabeth. Okay, I'm going to tell you guys a story. So on June 4th, when our Patreon went live, Patreon automatically put us in this, like... Um, waiting period, what? a waiting room. Yeah, like a waiting room to where they were like, hey, you know, we have to check and make sure everything goes okay. And I'm like, oh, my God, why are we doing this is like our third time of of us being checked. Why is this happening? And I didn't know how long this was going to last. And I'm like, man, this might last a couple of days. So I hadn't linked our website uh, to our actual actually or to our Patreon page. Finally, when I got the notification that our Patreon was live, I went to our Patreon to get the link before I could link our friggin' our website to our Patreon page, Dale had already subscribed. He beat me to it. And I'm like, what the, how the hell do we already have a subscriber? So I just want to thank Dale and his wife, Elizabeth, for that, because that was absolutely insane. Uh, I messaged him and had a good combo with him. So I just wanted to give him a shout out and tell him that I love them both. And, um, that, yeah, I just appreciate their support. I appreciate everyone's support on Patreon. I love every single one of you. We all do. You, you make this show possible. You supply the funds to keep it going. And without you, this show would be struggling right now to continue. So I really do appreciate it. And I love you all. And uh, we have a couple more shout outs, right, guys? So, yeah, I want to shout out Man CNA. Uh, love the support on the page and also Hunter Letson on Twitter. We have some great conversation. Um, and he's a, like the first person to like or retweet something on that page. So he's like a force on Twitter. So recently I came across a new listener. Uh, his name is Todd from Twitter, of course. So, you know, when you guys add me, I like to click on you to see who you are, too. So check out Todd. Find out he is a fellow Steeler fan. Here we go, Steelers. Like, it's in my blood. Love him. So, of course, we definitely wanted to make sure to send him a message. Found out that he had just found us that morning, listened to an episode. And he decided to go back to listen to the rest. But... Let me just say, I appreciate you so much, Todd. He went to our shop and bought a shirt 
first day he listened, went to that shop, and man, that's amazing. I'm glad that we can make that much of an impact on you on that first episode. That's what we we strive for pulling emotion and connection to you guys. So, man, thank you so much for that. You're awesome, and I hope that you continue to love the episodes that we produce for you. Yeah, thank you. You're amazing. I love you so much. You go Steelers. Appreciate it. Yes, go Steelers. Uh, I'll wave the terrible towel once. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. Come find me, Troy Palomalu. Oh my god. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Uh, Anna. Do you have something you want to say before we wrap this up? Uh, yeah. I feel like you know, with the move and stuff. We did have to do some recordings ahead of time, so we weren't able to kind of express our support for what's going on. We are 100% in favor for equality for everyone, and Black Lives do matter. And so I just had, I just really want to say that as one beautifully magical planet, let's all love one another. We are all one. There is only one race that walks this planet, and that, my friends, is the human race. We all need to stand together, support each other, and appreciate life. While we're at it, maybe we should love this planet a little bit better, too. It's the only one we got right now. And plus, goddamn, life is short. Don't forget that. The past can teach us many things. So let's be kind and please rewind, only to look back to learn, but never to repeat in the future. I'd say it's time for change, but hell, we all know it's over fucking due. So stand up. I said stand up for what you believe in, because nothing will change if you just sit there listening to our sexy voices all day. So go. Go now. We love you. We are here for you. And no matter what, we will stand by your side. Black lives do matter. Now let's prove it. Well said. Well said. I support everything you said. And uh, with with that, uh, I guess we'll wrap up today's show. I want to thank you all for joining us today. And again, thank you for your support. You are all amazing. You are all loved. Every single one of you. So with that being said, Dan and Anna, you want to roll us out? It's okay to be out of this world with your thoughts. Because you're not alone. <laughs> <laughs>